Office Depot Office Max has great deals on everything you need to succeed, like stylish furniture and chairs to keep you working comfortably, the latest tech to keep you organized and productive, calendars and planners to keep you on schedule, and cleaning supplies to keep your space spotless. It's the perfect time to stock up on the supplies you need to succeed from the office to your home and everywhere in between. Need it fast? No problem. Place your order at officedepot.com and pick it up in just 20 minutes at your nearest Office Depot or Office Max store. We like to reward the people who stuck around for that last minute. And a half. <laughs> hey, they could always turn to Jacoby Ellsbury. <laughs> Nobody's even seen Jacoby Ellsbury in the last two years. In order for you to not talk again about 19-year-old Vlad Guerrero and his big leaginess, uh, could I could I have a do-over? <laughs> <laughs> And welcome to episode number 133 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we'd like to remind you when you don't like a rule and change it like a tool, that's a Manfred. I'm your host, Greg Wazdowski, <laughs> <laughs> and I am joined tonight by Joshua Housen. Josh, how you doing? Just feel like singing. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. Or humming, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's close enough. Uh, so, of course, we, we have a, a hurt Vladimir Guerrero, which we got to talk about that. Uh, but the rotation is set, uh, the season's getting closer, and Bobachet and Anthony Alford continue to rake in spring training for whatever that's worth. Uh, we had a little, kind of a little thing with Ken Giles and uh, David Paulino today. We're not sure what that that means in the, the greater scheme of things. And then we did get a uh, another scrum with uh, Shapiro and some radio hits, and he keeps saying stuff, and we're going to try and parse it out. We have an interview. It's going to talk about the Yankees with Jay Jaffe because uh, we do have to get through the whole AL East here before the season starts. And uh, then we have a couple of do-overs, uh, including poor Russ Atkins from a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we got to talk about the rule changes because I think they're going to affect a lot of things uh, going into this season and, and what we think of all those. So we're going to try and squeeze all that in to one show, which now that I've said it all out, it doesn't sound like it's going to be easy to do. <laughs> All right. Well, the, at some point in his career, Vlad Guerrero Jr. was going to get hurt. Uh, I don't think we expected it in spring training on a swing of, of of 2019. Did we? Really? Well, he did get hurt last year, too. If you don't remember, he did something to his knees, brain did or something like that. True. I, if Vlad was going to get hurt, there isn't a better time than this, right? Well, yes, because uh, he he wasn't going to be called up to the big league team to start the season anyway. So um, that's you know we don't he's not missing missing that kind of time. We know that, and he kind of lets the Blue Jays off the hook for explaining why he isn't in the big leagues according to the you know the uh, CBA. Right, and and also in terms of his readiness, like if he misses three weeks, which is what they're forecasting with his with his injury. Mm-hmm. that he's back basically the very end of March. And then he gets his two to three weeks in Buffalo to, you know, finish off his spring training essentially. And he's up. So he, he doesn't even lose any big league time at all under this plan. And that's, I mean, that's truly perfect from the Blue Jays perspective. Yes. Which of course has led to some silly conspiracy theories. Oh, they're the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Season's young, but okay, sure. <laughs> The idea, okay, we, you brought it up, so we'll address it. Yes. The the idea that the Blue Jays would fake this injury to get out of service time issues. One, they've already said they're not, essentially, he's not going to be up before he got hurt. So what the hell would be the point of faking injury after that? And also, I think Vlad, his agent, and his dad might say something if the Blue Jays were faking an injury for service time purposes. Yeah. Yeah, it is really outlandish because there's there's a number of of problems if you if you're a team and you start messing with a player's medical history for your own convenience, um, especially the number one prospect in baseball. That's not the guy. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. So, folks, chill. He's actually hurt. That's it's crappy. But that's the way it is. 
But again, if he was going to get hurt, really, really good timing. <laughs> yes, it dovetails nicely with when he uh, was going to you know, be called up anyway, if, if everything else had gone perfectly. So uh, let us cross our fingers that three weeks is in fact a realistic timeline for the grade one strain that he has experienced. Right, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Just quickly before we move on, it is an oblique injury, and you know, grade one is the mildest form, but they these things can linger. So there, I mean, there is a chance, obviously, that this could hamper him for going into April. So you know, he still has to do all his work on the rehab and just hope because there's not much you can do with an oblique except rest it. Yes, we've seen oblique injuries from both pitchers and hitters, which I don't want to you know speculate on again. They said grade one strain. They've given a timeline. That's all night well and good. But we have seen these things drag on. I'm pretty sure uh, Brandon Morrow had one drag on. And then uh, we had, we've had guys also come back from that injury thinking they were good. And then when they got up to game speed, not so good. Um, yeah. So I, I bet they'll take their time. So when they said three weeks, it might have been two. And they're going to give them the extra week just in case. Or at least I hope that's what they would do. Because there is no sense in rushing Vlad Jr. back. No, other than we want to see him, and I don't think our preference in this case is really the, driving the whole team. What? Yeah, it turns out. Uh, so we got word on the rotation. Shock and surprise. Uh, they would have to set it eventually, wouldn't they? Yeah. I mean, well, theoretically, they wouldn't have to set it until the day of the first five games. That seems uh, unkind to the, the guys who were not going to be in the starting rotation, as it were. So we, we start with Marcus Stroman, which is uh, not all that surprising. Uh, where do we go from there? Oh, I think we just go with whoever. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure that the rotation as listed was Stroman, Shoemaker, Sanchez, Barucki, and then name Clayton Richard. Because Clay Buckles is not going to be ready to start because he signed too late yeah which i mean we made jokes about before about how that you know probably could have been avoided <laughs> but that's where we're at are you surprised by any of those guys making the rotation did you think shoemaker would be in there right away oh sure he would i mean he, he's been pitching all all spring and he's a starter so that one that one is like is no question to me the other ones really were whether Basically, the other question was whether Clay Buckles would be ready. And if he was, then I didn't know who was going to get that last spot because they kept talking about Clayton Richard. And yet he makes much more sense as a lefty out of the pen than having Ryan Barucki in the minors. But we didn't have to worry about that. So it, it ends up being a pretty straightforward decision for that reason. And uh, yeah, it's almost like these things take care of themselves in spring training because <laughs> guys get hurt or aren't ready or whatever. Uh, yeah, never, that's a, it's, it, there are so many tomorrow problems in sp when spring training starts that, that end up not, not coming to tomorrow. And lo and behold, here's another one. I guess maybe a bit of a tomorrow problem is, uh, Bo Bichette and Anthony Alford are both hitting well still here as we get into the, the deeper part of spring training. So there's a question about their development and then, and then what potentially they're going to end up doing in 2019. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it's nice to see, especially with, with Alfred, because the thing that we've always heard about Anthony Alfred is that, you know, the power's in there. It's going to come eventually. He'll grow into it. And he's 25 now, I think. And it's finally showing up because he's hitting bombs in spring training. I think he's already he's already got four. He hit three in four days or something like that. But, you know, it it's the fact that it's there, that he's able to hit you know, for this power that he's never shown even in spring training in the past. That's very encouraging because, you know, last year was a terrible year for Anthony Alford. He was just hurt and bad, which not the best combination. Um, but this year is important for him. If he can bring that power into minor league games and go back to the same kind of approach and success that he had prior, you know, when he was really, really good in 2017 and he's 24, by the way, he's not, not 25. Um, then I think he's got a very good chance to get significant at-bats for this team at some point during the season once guys get hurt or moves are made. And certainly Alfred has an unusual pedigree, so we've, we've, we've never really known what his career arc was going to be like um, because of the football background. 
but uh yeah a, a season where he was bad i think was the like er, injured yes but a season where he was just playing not good was kind of a, a bit of a shocker last year i think to a lot of people well especially because of how good he was the year before when people were legitimately surprised at how much he'd shown he had a 390 on base percentage in in the minors the year before and you know considering the limited bats he's had because of that football background people thought wow this guy's really advanced and just has a great approach at the plate and then he was just a disaster last year so he's answering some questions now but he's definitely got more to answer as the you know the season goes but you know the, the good signs are there a different approach and more loft in his swing which are things that he's always needed so then on the flip side, Bo Bichette, of course, has a much more traditional sort of uh, path and a, and a fairly accelerated one. Uh, more his, his raking is maybe more reminding us of something that we probably should have been expecting out of Bo. Yeah, I mean, it's still hard to expect a guy in his first big league camp to be hitting 387 with a 424 on base and an 806 slugging. <laughs> Well, that's the argument that we keep coming back to, uh, or I, you know, I keep being reminded of, is if Vagaro Jr. didn't exist, how excited would the Blue Jays be to have Bo Bichette in the fold? And I believe the answer is pretty freaking excited. Yeah, I mean, it's really funny that to, to think about that because Vlad Jr. is the best prospect in the history of the Blue Jays. They've never had a number one guy on any list, let alone almost all of them. <laughs> Bo Bichette's up there. I mean, he's a top 10 to 15 guy on most in most lists and look the, the number itself it doesn't mean a whole lot but the point is people love him they, they love his skills and the fact he's going to play the middle of the diamond one way or the other he's a big part of the future of this team and i think you know a lot of people are talking about oh well they're going to do the same thing with boba shed that they did with vlad you know that they're going to keep him down all year and then in april next year doesn't make any sense we'll get to that when we talk about uh shapiro yep just a little teaser, you see. <laughs> Play so, this game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's like clickbait, but there's nothing to click. <laughs> <laughs> it's the don't click away bait. <laughs> okay, so before that, um, 100 Miles Giles and uh, David Paulino apparently had a, a interaction today where Giles was, was not appreciating Paulino's effort and went off on him in a drill that they were doing. So Giles has a reputation of being a player with attitude. That was kind of the reason why he was uh, dangled out there when when the Blue Jays were not uh, wanting to keep Roberto Osuna, was he was also a player with some baggage. But this is not 100% in character for him from what we've heard. Well, I mean, Giles' issues has always been, he's been a bit hot-headed, but more towards himself than other people. Like, he got really, really angry with his own failures. This time, he got really angry at David Paulino. What a live mic behind him. So you just get all these F-bombs on the radio <laughs> during the Jeff Blair show. Um, now, and people, I don't know if they have, but I can understand if they're like, well, you know, this sounds a lot like what Bud Norris was doing to Jordan Hicks in St. Louis. I shouldn't just assume that they are, but I can see the parallel. But the difference, which I want to point out, is it makes sense to get upset at a guy once for not doing the work. And he's not practicing. He's not doing what everybody else is supposed to be doing. Now, Giles might have gotten a bit too upset, but, you know, you've got to stand up to your teammates at some point. The issue is when you just keep doing it, keep dogging the same guy, then it becomes a problem. I think, I think this is a good thing. Well, I think it was a Scotty Mack tweet that mentioned that although it was surprising to see from Giles, it was not surprising that the target of such a tirade was Paulino. Take from that what you will. Yeah. So it's it's almost like Paulino is the guy who, if if there is a guy dragging his, his heels, the implication was it's going to be Paulino. Huh. And also, you know, Giles and Paulino had played together in, in Houston, right? I think they're, well, they not really played much on the same team because Paulino was more up and down from the minors, but they had played together. So there's some history there. And really, I think as long as teammates are holding each other accountable on some level and not bullying, it's actually a very good thing. Indeed. So that takes us back to uh, the teaser from earlier. Wow, we didn't really have to wait long for that, did we? <laughs> We like to reward the people who stuck around for that last minute. And a half. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Shapiro, he he has a lot to say, doesn't he? 
Um, do you want to? Was was word the word salad the one we were going to start with? We can. All right. So I'm going to leave this one to you. But he was asked about about payroll commitments, which I know every I think every single Blue Jay general manager loves to try and handle diplomatically. What what did he come up with? Yeah. So he specifically asked whether the Blue Jays can save money from 2019 and put it towards 2020. I'm not going to read the whole thing because I'll run out of breath. <laughs> That's a yes-no question, by the way, right? Well, he did technically say no, <laughs> to be honest. He said it doesn't work like that. And then he said there's a multi-year plan in place. There's an understanding and a commitment from our ownership group and the leadership of Rogers that there is an understanding of where we are now and an understanding of where we're going to go. At some point, Ross Atkins and Charlie, our baseball leadership group, and all of us kind of say we're at the ring of contention. Like we're very close right now. We need it. And he just kept going on and on and on. <laughs> But is there the an understanding? Was, <laughs> yeah, three understandings in one sentence. I don't think I've ever seen that before. <laughs> the answer was no. No, no, it's it's not a uh, piggy bank that he can deposit uh, a, a couple million dollar bills in and then shake them out to more, uh, next year. No. And now, that's not really a surprise. I mean, no. That's not how businesses operate. Now, at the end of all of this word salad, he did say, and this is a quote, and frankly, we have payroll left to spend now, and we haven't spent all of our payroll to date this year. And that, I think, is pretty important to, to note because you know, we don't really have a concept ever of what the Blue Jays' payroll is. But we look at the amount they've spent to this to date, and it's going to be around $115 million-ish once guys are added to the 40-man and everything like that. But they, the fact that they have money left is going to be very interesting when we get towards the deadline. and. You know, we've seen this team buy prospects, take contracts back like Nori Aoki or Francisco Liriano to get good young players. And I think there's a very good chance, good chance we could see something like that again. We were even told that they attempted to do something similar in the offseason. And I, there's no reason that they would lie about that because they simply said that there wasn't a market for it at the time. But, um, you know, the, being able to do that in season as well. In that sense, it does make sense because we, we, you know, somewhere between 115 million and 162 million, which was last year's approximate payroll, which I read just somewhere recently, um, that's that's a lot of territory to play with, and still end up with what you would call a reduced payroll. So I can definitely see that they have exactly that kind of flexibility if they want it. Yeah, for sure. And I want to specifically talk about what you just said about they tried to do this in the off season. It's a lot harder to do in the offseason because people still have money to spend. So the idea of giving away contracts, you really get into a value deal, which we talked about on a previous podcast. But in at the deadline, the the value of your contracts and you know and the, and the you know, like whether you're have positive sur surplus value with a prospect or whatever, it changes because the the money is becomes required to add other very good players for contending teams. Yeah, teams have have specific needs by the time the trade deadline rolls around right a team that thought it wasn't contending and is or vice versa now needs to fill a hole so that they can get over the hump and get into the postseason whereas you're, you're right back in november maybe you maybe you need a pitcher maybe you don't um, but you're certainly not gonna you know change the composition of everything just to get rid of a bad contract that it turns out you you know six months later you filled the wrong hole because you didn't know who was going to get injured during the season exactly so yeah i mean there, there's there's hope that the blue jays have some uh some strategy in mind um still think they should assign bryce harper <laughs> no argument here <laughs> just for the record we're not this is what they're doing it's not what we would do yeah and then the other thing that shapiro said that was very interesting and this was on the radio this morning he did this call-in show uh, which he's going to do, I guess, every year. Last year, he took like three calls <laughs> during the hour. This year, apparently, he took more of them. But uh, one of them, he addressed the goals for this season. And he said that the main goal is to bring their young pieces to the big leagues. They can evaluate how close they are to being a championship team. Hmm. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is what I've been saying on this podcast. I think you've been saying the same thing. You yeah. need to know what you have in Bobachet. You need to know what you have in Anthony Alford and maybe Kevin Biggio or even Rowdy Tellez to know, okay, what do we need to fill and how close are we to needing to fill it? 100% agree with you. 
because it, it, I understand, you know, there's this service clock time and everything else. But if if you're if you're close, then it doesn't matter when you started the clock, right? If if 2020 is a contending year, if you've got enough pieces, well, then you need to have. You're not gonna find out in AAA just how good Bobachet is in the major leagues. Right, exactly. And you know, if Bobachet goes down and mashes in AAA for three months, he has to be up. It's not. There's no service time games to play because now you're trying to figure something out. Like Vlad Guerrero, like there was nothing to be gained by bringing him up in September. You lose a 40-man spot and you see him pitching against September roster, hitting against September rosters, going to another season that doesn't matter. Yeah. But there's plenty to gain by seeing these young guys this year. Especially guys who might be on the bubble like Alfred, as an example where you mm-hmm. don't really know what you have. Whereas I, I think that the other thing with the team with Vlad Guerrero Jr. is like, well, whenever we, we call him up, he's going to hit. We're not, they're not actually worried about that. Yeah, where there are still questions about Bobachette, just simply because his swing is more unorthodox, he strikes out more, he could be exposed against Major League Pitching, so they need to see it. Well, I'm glad you and I agree on just about everything. Did Shapiro say anything else? Uh, he talked just for a while. I mentioned the TV deal and did some stuff that same didn't make any sense to me. So it, it's, you know, it's GM and owner speak and president well, speak. It was good to see him attempt to uh, both explain his involvement in the TV deal committee and talk about the fact that he had to recuse himself when the Blue Jays TV deal came up, but that it was okay that the TV, the Blue Jays deal came up and they said it was fair, but he wasn't really part of that discussion anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So fine. We'll just summarize it. Basically, he said that the committee that determines the value of these, you know, situations where the team and the network are owned by the same person, they determined that the Jays deal was fair. At Diamond Talks, he said fair, yes, but if it would had gone to market, it probably would have been a bit more. So, and he keeps talking about how you can't do political advertising, which I don't think is true. I mean, we've seen during the last federal election, there were tons of liberal ads during baseball. So I believe in the United States, you can do political advertising anytime you want. And in Canada, you must be in an actual campaign, which is actually a fairly short, like 40 day or 50 day period. So ah, okay, that's a good explanation for that. Okay, so, so essentially ads this year would be more valuable than ads in other years. Exactly. Oh, interesting. That's my best guess on that. Although, no, know, that makes a lot of sense, actually. That, that makes what he said understandable. Yeah, as a as an overall revenue stream, it's kind of a fits and starts sort of thing. All right, so given all that, we are going to go and find out about the Yankees from our friend of the podcast, Jay Jaffe. We'll be back with him right after this. And we are pleased to welcome back Jay Jaffe, now of Fangraphs. Jay, welcome back to Artificial Turf War. Hey, thanks. Good to be back. So tonight we are uh, doing our, our next preview of the AL East, and we are, are looking at the juggernaut that is the New York Yankees, which, uh, you know, we did Boston already, and I, that was an unpleasant conversation overall for us, but we, <laughs> we have to do these things. We, we signed up for it. So I guess we would start with uh, they, the, the Yankees had a, a very uh, you know, aggressive offseason. Are you surprised that they didn't end up looking at Manny Machado in that, in that light? You know, I think that they were always, um, I th- you know, something less than odds-on favorites to to do so. I mean, the fact that, that that Miguel Andujar had such a big year and that they would have had to kind of go out of their way uh, to fit uh, Machado in their lineup by by moving a player that they really like um, and that afforded them some advantages, uh, you know, made it you know less 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 than a, a certainty though. I mean, I'm, I'm a little surprised they didn't go after it, but. Um, you know, when you look at the way that Brian Cashman has run this team in the past, really, especially the past half decade, it's going against a lot of, um, you know, the uh, buying off the rack tendencies that uh, uh, we're used to seeing from them. Yeah, and it definitely has been a, a bit of a change, and that's sort of been tougher to get used to as a as, as a non non Yankees fan. Although Stanton was kind of the exception to that, but they did get a shortstop, however, and it was not the one anybody. Richie Lewiski. First off, did that surprise you? And what are you expecting out of him? 
Yeah, I, that one did surprise me because, you know, I guess the opportunity is there in the first half of the season before Didi Gregorius gets back from Tommy John's surgery. But uh, I would have thought that there would be places that he could go where he had uh, much more assurance of uh, uh, of a full-time job, uh, if not necessarily a full-time job at shortstop. And maybe maybe it was the opportunity to play shortstop, uh, even if just for a half season, that, uh, uh, that, that carried the day for him. I don't expect a ton out of him. Um, you know, to be honest, I've looked at uh, uh, the uh, the track records of, of uh, infielders over 30 who've missed full seasons, and it's not great. Um, you know, we've what we've seen with of, of Tulowitzki in the spring in the spring has been somewhat encouraging, but also you know the rust is still there. Um, it's uh, you know I think he's got an uphill battle. It'll be nice if he comes anything close to what he was, uh, you know, even in in some of his latter years, because that's a guy who uh, uh, who can be a, a pretty productive player. And if they can do that and get through the first half without uh, uh, really feeling the absence of Didi Gregorius, so much you know, so much the better for him. Yeah, and I guess they have some cover there too, right? Because they signed DJ LeMahieu, they could always move Gleyber Torres over to short if Tulo just isn't working out. Yeah, they kind of went the belt and suspenders route. I don't really like the $22, $24 million they spent on LeMahieu that much. I'm not a huge believer that his bat is anything close to adequate, uh, you know, as in, in this kind of role, especially if he's also going to be the backup first baseman, which uh, uh, seems to be the case. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, they do have some some insurance there because ter- Torres can play shortstop for sure. So the and then I- Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say that the other move that they made was to extend Aaron Hicks. Um, that, you know, doesn't seem like a very Yankee thing to do. Was that a, a surprise for you? Um, you know, I, we, Brian Cashman has always been the biggest Aaron Hicks fan around. And, and uh, uh, you know, I thought the extension that they came up with was, uh, um, you know, very club friendly, seven years and $70 million. But uh, uh, really, um, you know, when you look at the all the stops and starts to his career up to this point, I can understand why he took that kind of money. It's life changing money. Um but uh, he's a player I like a lot. Uh, switch hitting center fielder who, who's who's got a good glove and 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 good power, and uh, uh, he's really settled into the job. I think if he can stay healthy, you know, he, he he's going to be a uh, you know a, a star level contributor. But uh, he has had a hard time staying healthy, and um, you know that is uh, a, a bit of an issue with him. Unfortunately, it's just something you know the Yankees have a lot of outfield depth to work around, but they're not necessarily that deep at center field. Um, he right now he's dealing with a stiff back. Hopefully it's not uh, so serious that it prevents him from, uh, uh, you know, from being in the lineup on opening day. Hey, they could always turn to Jacoby Ellsbury. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's <laughs> even seen Jacoby Ellsbury in the last two years. I, I you know, it's there. There are scattered uh, scattered clues suggesting he's he's still he's still a Yankee, but uh, uh, nobody's really set eyes on him. He's auditioning for the post-career role as Carmen Sandiego. But, yeah, uh, something like that. So now, going into the season, it, it doesn't look like there are a lot of weaknesses on this team. There's some of the early cracks maybe showing some of the health of the rotation, but that pitching staff, it's going to be really tough to score runs against them, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that bullpen is a monster. Um, you know, they're bringing in uh, – they kept Zach Britton. Uh, they brought in Adam Ottavino. Uh, it's uh, you know it's it's a it, it's going to be a very tough bullpen even with uh, David Robertson having moved on. Um, the rotation, you know, obviously you got to worry that that's uh, you know about Luis Severino uh, and, and his shoulder. But uh, if Severino and Pack and James Paxton, who's a nice addition, and Masahiro Tanaka and Jay Happ. Uh, and Sabathia all get uh, uh, anything close to uh, the requisite number of starts in. Uh, that's a good-looking rotation, and uh, uh, you know I think uh, obviously there's there's hope that somebody from among their younger pitchers, whether it's uh, 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 Domingo Herman or Luis Sessa or uh, uh, Jonathan Loisiga or uh, uh, Jordan Murphy. I mean, uh, Jordan uh, Montgomery, who's working his way back from Tommy John surgery. Uh, that those guys that somebody can step up to contribute for the ine- during the inevitable absences there. Um, obviously, it, sa- it seems like Severino is going to start the year on the DL and probably Sabathia too. Uh, although I, I would expect to see both uh, at some point uh, in April, if uh, you know, unless uh, things get uh, um, you know drastically more serious. 
So e- even with with those minor imperfections in the uh, the pitching staff, it still looks like the lineup is ready to destroy all comers. Um, you know, we saw a team in the division win 115 games. I don't know. <laughs> felt like 115 games uh uh last year is is there another 100 game winner in the ALEs this year or is there something that could stop the Yankees I mean you know the cumulative effect of injuries could, you know is, is is a threat to derail them especially in that rotation uh, you know you you'll you think about well you know we know J- uh, James Paxton has had a hard time getting get, you know getting through seasons we know that uh, uh Masahiro Tanaka is pitching with a you know with a partial UCL tear and has been for a few years. Um, you know, Sabathia is not getting any younger, and obviously uh, we've got the shoulder concerns about Savarino. So, yeah, you can see how this goes sideways, um, you know, in a, in a worst-case scenario. Um, that said, you know, based on our, our current assumptions for how many innings for how many innings these guys throw and how many at-bats these guys get, uh, Fangraph's projections put the Yankees uh, – uh, with a with a major league best ninety eight wins, um, which is uh, three more than we've got the Red Sox and the Astros. Uh, three more than we've got the Red Sox forecast for. Uh, two more than the Astros, uh, and uh, five more, at least five more than any other uh, team. So, you know they've got they've got a bit of margin for error in terms of uh, uh, being a playoff team. But uh, um, you know on paper they look good, but it doesn't always turn out that way. And uh, injuries can quickly derail things. So, I mean, given obviously there's going to be some injuries and we've seen some of that and you know, like the Wiseguy and our depth starters, but are there any other real position battles in spring training for the Yankees or is it just basically first base with Luke Voigt and Greg Bird? Yeah, the, 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 the Voigt, the Voigt uh, Bird battle is the most interesting one. Um, you know, I think Voigt, uh, with what he did last year, basically after coming over in the trade, he was the AL's most potent bat uh, over the final two months of the season and, and basically just uh, took Bird's job away at a time when Bird was really struggling. And, you know, Bird has just not really been the same after that uh, uh, that initial burst in 2015, 11 homers in 46 games. Since then, he hasn't been e- even been able to maintain a 200 batting average or a 400 slugging percentage. Uh, missed time due to uh, a torn labrum and a bunch of ankle injuries and uh, uh, has just been lost. Um, it sounds like, uh, you know, the loser of this is going to be sent to AAA, and I wouldn't be surprised if a trade followed. And I think Bird uh, uh, seems like the longer shot to make the team right now. But uh, other than that, um, you know, I guess there's some interest in seeing how Clint Frazier's faring because I think in time he could be up and and and, and helping this team, uh, you know, part of that outfield rotation, you know, if, if, uh, if they decide to move on from Brett Gardner. but. Um, you know, Frazier missed time last year due to a concussion, and and, and uh, is not, they're not going to force anything early. But uh, uh, that's one to keep an eye on down the road. So as as we wind up here, there's two questions really. Uh, number one, essentially, is this the ALE's championship team? Uh, and number two, how many wins do you think they'll have that that if you think they are uh, would get them to that um, kind of plateau? Well, I mean, you know, the Red Sox are coming off a tremendous year. The thing about the Red Sox that I would be concerned about is that bullpen. Uh, they didn't re-sign Craig Kimbrell. Uh, they're going with, uh, you know, two guys that are relatively untested in, in Ryan Brazier and Matt Barnes as the possibilities for their ninth inning guy. Uh, and then, you look, you know, you look at the depth uh, behind them, and it's not great. It's, you know, a, like uh, uh, just a lot of guys who – you know, who haven't really put together long runs of success in the majors, uh, Heath Embry, Tyler Thornburg, Brandon Workman. Um, you know, it's, 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 uh, I, I think there are a few arms short there. Um, you know, they've, they just lost Stephen Wright, uh, uh, to a PED suspension, and uh, that's not going to help because they had him penciled in for the bullpen. Uh, they just don't see outside of Brazier and Barnes. There just don't seem to be any significantly uh, uh, imposing pitchers down there. 
fair. So, uh, um, as as for as for the overall, you know, I think, yeah, I I think it's a toss up. Any, you know, either the Red Sox or the Yankees could win a hundred games uh, if things go right, and either of them could could stumble significantly and, uh, um, you know, wind up you know trying to claw their way in via the wild card route. Um, I think the floor for both of these teams, though, for the most part, is 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 something like that um, because there's just so much depth here. And that's life in the AL East for a Blue Jays fan in a nutshell, isn't it? <laughs> you make us cry, Greg. Uh, yeah, every time. Uh, all right. Well, Dave. The, you know, the, I mean, uh, you know, I, I think unfortunately the Blue Jays are just they're just not set up to, to work this way right now. They've had so many injuries that have knocked them, you know, taken them apart at their best and uh, uh, players have moved on and uh, they're not they're You know, they have not assembled a roster this year that looks like they even want to compete. So, nope. you know, that's a different story. <laughs> Indeed. I feel for I feel for you. I feel for you guys though it's uh, not that can't be a tough uh, you know it can't be a fun thing to uh you know to, to to look forward to uh over the course of a season you obviously you hope that the young players uh uh, uh turn out and that uh, you get to see eventually get to see vlad vlad guerrero jr but boy they're really drawing that one out <laughs> <laughs> fair enough <laughs> Well, thank you for stopping by, Jay. Uh, we'd like to let everybody know that they can follow you, of course, uh, on Twitter for your insight uh, from Fangraphs and on the Hall of Fame at J underscore Jaffe. And they can stop by Fangraphs if they want to see more in-depth stuff from you. All right. Sounds great. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks again. Thank you. Have a good night. And yes, we are back from our little sojourn into Yankees land. Did we survive the minefield that is the Yankees? Um, well, my heart didn't. <laughs> so that team's going to be really good. Yeah, my my body's here. My heart is shattered. Um, oh, well. What can you do? Uh, what we can do, I believe, is the only fair thing to do is to answer people's questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? All right. We shall begin with uh, Curtis Butcher. I don't believe Curtis has asked us a question before. Do you? No, I don't think so. So that's at Curtis Butcher one Everybody give him a follow. I Actually, he doesn't even have an eye... Uh, avatar yet so you know get in on the ground floor um will be a genie or uh gavilio make the team what are your thoughts on the makeup of the bullpen considering the jays are likely to carry an extra outfield are they i i don't even know i don't know that the uh the, the hypothesis there is true they're gonna carry two outfielders for sure for one spot but most teams carry four guys to begin with i don't think pompey's making this team well, or if he is, I think one other guy's not because, they, like, if you just look at the the makeup of this team, they're going to probably have eight relievers if they're taking Elvis Luciano north. Ah, yes, rule five. <laughs> and, and I think they want to keep him. Yeah, you know, we saw him be pitching spring training. His fastball is ridiculous. His changeup is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> he was pitching against the Phillies and he kept getting strikeouts with his fastball and gave up two bombs and threw a ball with his changeup. <laughs> Sometimes. You only need one pitch. Yeah. Uh, just side note about Biagini. <laughs> he was on the pitch clock today. And I I guess he actually stared at the pitch clock as it went to zero and then continued holding the ball until he was ready to pitch. Yeah, that's that was going to be my final thought. You just snaked it. But um... <laughs> well, you didn't warn me. No, I did not. But uh, yeah, this Biagini, he's a weird dude. I do think he's going to be on the team, though. And I think Gavillo has a shot to make it, too, especially since Paulino's not going to, I don't think, at this point. All right. Um, second question. Kevin Sicharin at Kevin Chase 4, who also might be a first-time question asker. Uh, how many starts will Ryan Barucki get this season? 32. Uh, I'm going to say 28 for the inevitable groin strain that will occur and set him back for three starts for reasons I'm unclear on right now. Right, but basically you and I are both thinking he's going to be in the rotation all year, right? Yeah. This for, I mean, this, this rotation is not a robust thing. <laughs> it, 
it it's not screaming with depth. That's been the problem all offseason, hasn't it? The depth actually isn't that bad now. I mean, if you think about it, like once Clay Buckles is ready, they have six major league quality starters, and then you get into guys like Sean Reed Foley, Tom Pannone, Julian Merriweather when he's healthy, Jacob Waggis back, all these guys. But we, actually, the depth isn't about that bad. But we believe that Ryan Barucki, from what he showed last year, just between you and I, is as good as any of those first six. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have the upside of Sanchez and Stroman, but he was really good, really solid. And I see no reason to believe he won't be that again and that he should stay in the rotation all year. All right. We agree in principle, although I would not make a prop bet on that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And uh, Ewan Ross at Mentok uh, asks us, I was thinking about the level of excellence lately. How many players from the recent era of success do you see getting in? Bautista is obvious, but do Edwin, Josh, or anyone else get it? I'll let you take this one first. I think you could make a case for Josh Donaldson because of the MVP and the Donaldson dash. I don't, I don't know if anybody else rises to level of excellence. I, I love Edwin. I do. But a lot of the guys on the level of excellence, Tony Fernandez, Delgado, um, had very long tenures with the Blue Jays, right? So I mean, Edwin was here since 2008. It's it's hard. Maybe Edwin does. I think he's more likely than Donaldson, actually, because if you think about it, Donaldson was great. He won the MVP. Yep. And he was really good the next year. And then he had a good half season and then a good and a not so good quarter season. Like he wasn't actually a Blue Jay for all of that long. No, I'm thinking and, he's more like the Joe Carter show up and make a huge splash kind of level of excellence guy. You know, I, I'm not saying he doesn't belong. I just think that because it's so short that there's a chance he doesn't. I mean, Edwin was here from 09 until 2016 and one of the best hitters in, in baseball for five of those years. And I still don't know if he makes it, though. I mean, Pat Henkin's not up there. It's like it, it's not easy to make the Blue Jays level of excellence. Right? How did not make it till after he died? Well, yes. Um, though that he he may very well have made it even if he had not passed away. I think I understand. I understand, but I just mean like it's not something that happens lightly. No, and I mean there are. I cannot off the top of my head think of a single pitcher who would make the level of excellence in that whole era. No, there there isn't one. I mean, they, <laughs> maybe if someone signs an extension and turns out great like Sanchez or Stroman and then maybe down the road but of the pitchers who are here and Russell Martin I don't think is long for the level of excellence I think that these are the two guys that have a shot and Pat Henkin from the past all right fair enough that concludes the questions program portion of our program we hope you have enjoyed it we are going to move on to a segment I don't think we've done one lately but uh we're certainly going to hand out more than one do-over right now Oops, I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. <laughs> but what if you could do it all over again? But what I really meant was... I think this might be the first time we've handed out a do-over to a person whose real name nobody knows. Yeah, I, that's not a common thing. <laughs> Tango Tiger, uh, who is a statistician uh, at Tango Tiger on Twitter. Uh, very well-known... Uh, Tom Tango? Yeah, over a long period of time, uh, he has done even work for the Blue Jays uh, head office at one point. I don't, I don't believe he still does. I think he's worked for somebody else. He's Emblam, Emil, Emilbam, uh, currently. So a bunch of rule changes came out that we're going to talk about in more depth. But he had today on Twitter his own preference for rule changes. My preference, and this is for pitching changes, would have been a minimum nine batter or two inning outing. The rule ends after the eighth inning. After that, it's unrestricted. This is the part, though. If a manager breaks the rule, he gets carded and we reduce his active roster in the X number of following games. Say you lose three players for five games. I thought this was a joke at first. (laughs) I can't tell still reading his responses. It's really bad. (laughs) So I have watched major league managers struggle 
with the intricacies of the 25-man roster and the limits that places on their ability to keep people in the game healthy and attempting to win. Repeatedly struggle with that limit of 25 players, and he just volunteered for making one strategic error in one game that you would lose three players for five games. That was just a potential, but... I mean, I, I, I really hope this was a joke. <laughs> it doesn't sound like he's joking in some of his replies because it's just crazy off the wall, ridiculous. Uh, so where was the other one that he said? His... Oh, so someone re- replied, I can't believe all you guys like this. You're all acting like pitching changes are what's ruining the game because there is a pitching change restriction coming. Why not then just limit teams to X number of pitchers per game and only changing pitchers between innings? And his response was, yes, that'd be my preference. How boring would, or how, how, how dull would a manager's job be? And how little analysis would you be able to do of, of what the right strategic move to make would be if you had to only change pitchers between innings and had like only eight pitchers per game or something. It also would be really bad for relievers. Like those guys that are one inning specialists, well, your job's gone. Yeah. Like I, I don't know that even the skill set per se exists to make a change that resembles that. There just aren't enough guys who are, are able to turn over a lot. That's why they're relievers. Cause they can't turn over a lineup or face same-handed batters very well like opposite-handed batters opposite-handed batters very well like it just i don't know where you even came up with this minimum nine batters <laughs> i think we're spending a lot of time on this thing because we can just say that this is absolutely bonkers okay yeah so uh your do-over would be to just not say that thing this is the thing <laughs> nice and easy yeah take it back <laughs> Uh, we have a, a slightly more involved do-over for Ross Atkins. Yeah, this is, well, it isn't, but it also isn't. It's really simple. Ross Atkins really wants a do-over on his comments from a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> Where he was, you know, Vlad Guerrero Jr. is not a big leaguer because he's 19 and all the stuff he's been saying. All he did was wait. <laughs> just, just keep saying, you know, we're, look, we're not, no decisions have been made yet. We're going to watch how things go in spring training or just say whatever. Just don't answer the question yet. And then Vlad Guerrero's injury were taking care of itself. But nope, the comments are out there. This might be the first do-over that I would sincerely believe someone had called us and asked for one. Seriously. Could I, could I, hey guys. <laughs> In order for you to not talk again about 19-year-old Lad Guerrero and his big leaguiness, uh, could, I, could I have a do-over? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can. You absolutely can. You just got to come and explain that you spoke a little too quickly, and we, we'll never mention it again, personally. Other people, probably going to bring that up. Almost certainly. All right. Uh, and lastly, but not leastly, uh, we're beyond do-overs. We are looking at the MLB, who has announced over the next two seasons some rule changes. Uh, See. None of which I like. Well, okay, no. I like a couple of them. But let's, where do you want to start? With the ones we can live with or the ones that we just shake our heads at? Well, why don't we just list them? All right. So one trade line, trade deadline, July 31st, waiver trades are gone. I think you were talking last week about how that seemed to be a thing that wouldn't bother you at all. Was I? <laughs> I don't remember that. I would like it to be later if they're doing it, though. I think like August 15th or so, just because of the right, wild card area. I don't mind. Yeah. Um, all-star voting, they're going to do like an election day, which is just bizarre. Uh. That's, a home run derby, a million dollars goes to the to the winner now, 2.5 million total purse. So the first thing I can see why trying to focus it down under one day, because you flood social media on that day, it gets more mm-hmm. eyeballs than it does over like a month and a half of voting. So I get they why still have the month that. and a half of voting. Yeah. That's just to get to the top three. But I'm pretty sure what they looked at was the number of clicks they get and hashtags and whatever on the final Um, vote yep on the final vote and it's like why are we voting one crappy player and drawing all the attention to that 
when we could be <laughs> doing it for the actual good players. Who... You realize that the guys in the final vote are always like really, really good, right? They're the guys that the fans ignored. Right. Well, okay. Not you a call them crappy player. players. That's... One player without name recognition is generally why that guy got into the final vote, right? Initially, yeah. he didn't have it. So one one unknown player why not market the guys who everybody knows and really watch them go head to head so that makes sense uh do you think they've been getting a lot of no's to the home run dirty derby lately yes i do and then the the funny thing that comes out about something like this right if aaron judge goes in the home run derby and wins it his prize money will be 300 and some odd thousand dollars higher than his salary and that's exactly it's it's to drive young players to say yes to the contest. It's to drive the best young players, especially yes. the big power sluggers. Yeah, the guys who are going, wow, one night and I can get a real payday instead of this this major league minimum thing you're paying me. Not with Lance McCullers was I, Yeah, I sorry, Lance McCullers was joking and saying he's gonna sign up now. <laughs> well, I wonder if you could win it by pitching and not allowing anybody to hit any home runs. <laughs> that's a home run derby i would watch <laughs> the hardest thrower is saying you're only getting fastballs yeah. i'm gonna throw pure fastballs and you gotta hit them out that would be weird and i think pretty cool i think i think we're on to something josh uh yep. we're on to an injury risk is what we're on to. yeah <laughs> 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 oh um Please so the next change <laughs> The maximum mound visits have been dropped from six to five. Oh, what a crisis. Yeah. Uh, commercial breaks have been reduced by five seconds. Oh, sorry. Just about the mound visits. It turns out going out to the pitcher every second pitch wasn't necessary. We found yeah. that out last season. We didn't talk a lot about it. But Jorge Posada is probably the only guy who's crying about that change. Yeah. Um <laughs> But anyway, so they dropped five seconds off the commercials, which is nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, dropping 15 seconds might have made a more significant just, Oh, geez, I can't talk. Difference, it would cost, change about four minutes per game. Next um, week, I'm going to buy you brand new marbles for your mouth. <laughs> thank you. That's very nice of you. <laughs> Anytime. Uh, now, the big ones. Uh, you know, I, I guess you could say that the trade deadline is a big one, but yes. it's not. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's still... It's not, an not as on big the, as some of these other ones. It's not an on the field change we're going to notice. And these are the, these are the ones that coming in next year now. So next year being 2020. The standard roster size is going from 25 to 26 players. MLBPA probably pretty happy about that. Yeah. And the September roster size is falling to 28. From 40. And now teams have to designate players as hitters or pitchers before the season and they can only half of the roster can be a pitcher. Now a player can be qualified as a two way player. If they get 20 innings pitched or 20 at bats or something like that. So like Shohei Otani will be qualified as a two way player, but like Matt Davidson won't. And right. the only people that can pitch pitch the position players are the two way players. But <laughs> yeah let's complicate this rule as much as possible but it's so toothless it says that they're allowed to pitch an extra inning still or yep. up or down up or down by seven runs or more when else do position players pitch pretty much uh yeah you don't have your position player closing out a tight game yeah so that one's kind of silly but now here's the the, the big one well, the big, the biggest one for in-game stuff. A pitcher must face at least three batters per appearance unless he is removed due to injury or the half inning in which he is pitching ends before three batters have come to the plate. This is crap. <laughs> Loogies everywhere are crying. I, I, lots of pitchers are, are crying. Or lots of... It's not the pitching changes that slow the game down. The, it isn't um, as much as MLB would like to believe that. And yeah, there's a lot of pitchers who are going to have much worse ERAs and much worse looking records um, because they are now going to be facing guys who like, if that's the case, then uh, the opposing manager shouldn't be able to pinch hit for the first three batters. <laughs> 
Interesting. I haven't heard anyone say that yet. No, but if if, if the manager's restricted and he can't control who his pitchers are, are facing with, with he has no certainty, why does the uh, I agree the, with you. That makes sense actually. Yeah. We'll put that in twenty twenty one. Yeah, I, I don't here's the thing. I don't really see the point. I mean, all of these these changes, right? They're all on the margins. I mean, they're not things that matter in terms of the enjoyment of a game. Yeah, and Tony Clark uh, made it quite clear that the union did not agree to this particular rule. That was not something they negotiated. That was imposed upon them because MLB can can impose rules after a one-year warning period. Yeah, and that's why this is next year instead of this year. But, you know, I, 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 I'm... I totally understand why the PA was against it because this will limit jobs. Yes. Uh, you know, like especially the loogies, but in general, if pitchers are required to throw more outs, you don't need as many of them on a roster. Yeah. And I, well, the other thing though, I think is, is you don't know what, what effect again, the, the, the law of unintended consequences, I'm sure is going to kick in here with, uh, with injuries and also with, um, with scoring in games. There's going to be some weird, weird situations where where guys can't get guys out and they can't get them out fast enough. Um, you know, a couple batters too late, as we like to say all the time. Um, so if you want your games to be shorter, allowing the offense to have an advantage seems like an odd decision. Yeah, that's why I think they just want more balls in play, which you know, I, I understand that at least to some point. One of the interesting things, though, too, about this, the game is trending in a direction of late where this is not really even a problem. I mean, Lugie still exists, right? You know, yeah. I think it was Jerry Blevins had 20 such games or 20 games where he faced one batter. Um, Sorry. I just realized there may be a section of our, uh, our non nerditry fan base who are going, if you tell me one more thing about a Lugie and don't tell me what it is, I'm going left to handed one out guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, the percentage of, of, relief appearances that are this short way down because the percentage of relief appearances in general have gone way up because starters are coming out earlier. Right. But I don't know. I, it just seems like a, a, a pointless change to me. And yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing about all of this It's pointless. It doesn't do anything. Yeah. All I, all I'm just looking forward to is a, a, you know, a whole season of people complaining on various social media and uh, you know, on, Everyone going, well, why didn't he come and get him? Because he can't come and get him because he hasn't faced three, <laughs> three batters yet. Yeah. Can you hear Buck and, uh, and Tabby trying to explain that over and over again every third game? <laughs> oh, God, that's going to be horrible. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then the final one is that the minimum length of stay for pitchers optioned on the DL has been moved to 15 days from 10, which, which is- I think that's actually a good one. And it was, that's where it used to be, didn't it? A 15-day... Uh, Not for options. Oh, for options. Yeah, the so, DL was always 15, but for options it was 10. So now you don't get teams like shuffling players up and down through the minors. Now, the players probably don't like that because, especially the DL part, because now they don't get as many guys getting MLB salaries. It's an IL, but yes. Uh, yeah, I think we'll probably... If I was a player, I'd be much more in tune with what that meant as opposed to a, a fan. I think the biggest one's going to be that pitching changes that people notice. But not this year, like you said, next year. And also, it's just weird, though. Like, you're increasing the roster size but limiting the number of pitchers you can use. Like, those things don't go together. Like, uh, the American League, do you really need a big bench? Apparently, not the way the game oh, actually, is going, but they want well, you to. Well, now you will, right? Because you can just throw pinch hitters in left and right because you know the pitcher can't leave. Yep. Law of unintended consequences, Josh. We're going to find out all about it next year. All right. Final thought for you, sir. You stole it. <laughs> yes, I did. Joe Biagini is attached to the ball permanently. Yeah. I just It was just really funny. <laughs> so he looked at the clock, watched it go to zero, and then held the ball for another 20 seconds. He's excruciating to watch because he works so slow, but at least he's having fun with it. Oh my goodness. Um, do I have a final thought? Uh, final thought is I need to watch a baseball game on television because I haven't managed to squeeze one in yet. And I feel like we're getting real close to the end of spring training. You should. I should. 
But the problem is the Jays games aren't televised. I feel like there's been less this year than previously, but I could be wrong. Oh, you missed something very important, by the way. Of course I did. We didn't update the spring standings. Oh, how did I miss? <laughs> I they they went on a little good run there. Where are we at now, Josh? Well, for a while there, the Blue Jays were actually in first place in the Grapefruit League. Whoa. After being in dead last the last time we did this. But yeah. they're now settling in at nine and eight, and they have some ties in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's your tip of the week. If the standings have ties in it, they cannot possibly matter in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. That said, uh, it means uh, you have been uh, Josh Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010, and our guest was Jay Jaffe uh, at J underscore Jaffe from Fangraphs, who we thank for stopping by, and this has been Artificial Turf Wars number 133, and we'll talk at you next week.